So just a quick announcement before we start today's episode, my book, Calling Up, Discovering Your Journey to Transformational Leadership, will be available on ebook Tuesday, June 4th. That's the day after uh, the release of this episode of the podcast. So check it out. It's available for a very low price and is packed full of uh, practical tools and strategies and systems for you to build your culture and to grow as a coach. Great experiences hinge on peak moments. But there's a problem because we're not trained to build peak moments. We're trained to fix problems. We think that to create better experiences, we take a survey and we collect all the complaints and criticisms and we fix those things. But fixing problems doesn't make people happy. Fixing problems whelms people, not overwhelms, not underwhelms, whelms. If you drive down a stretch of the road with no potholes at all, you're not ecstatic, you're whelmed. If your cable TV functions exactly as it's supposed to, you're not happy, you're whelmed. So if this is the reaction that we want from people, we need to start building peaks. Well, JP, as coaches, it's easy for us to go through our season just trying to avoid the potholes, or if we see potholes on the horizon, those potential trouble spots where maybe a player is disgruntled, a, a, a parent isn't happy, you know, something what is gonna cause us to have to respond and do extra work to deal with. Oftentimes, we just try to fill those in, get over them and get farther down the road, rather than see those as opportunities to create these powerful moments that we talked about last week and continue our conversation in this week. And I've got an example of that in our own coaching. There was a few years ago where we had a few parents that were grumbling a little bit in the background about the reserves on our team, our bench players, not really getting a lot of recognition. And it was, you know, one way we could approach that is just to you know, have them stand up at the assembly and be recognized by the student body, or we can have them, you know, have a moment at the banquet where we sort of acknowledge here's our bench and a couple of things that they did well, or maybe a game that they can, you know, contributed in during the season. We decided to do something totally different because we didn't want to just be responsive to the, the parent complaint. We actually wanted our bench players to feel like they matter, that their role was important, and that they played a significant part on our team. And the real issue here is we just weren't doing that. So what we decided to do is a tradition that has now become known as our scout team dinner. And this happened a little serendipitously at the end of this season, but I'll kind of explain what we did. So as we were getting ready for the playoffs, we had an opportunity to go practice at Carver Hawkeye Arena in Iowa City. I happen to be from Iowa City. My dad still lives in Iowa City in the same house that I grew up in. And so we had our practice here at the arena, and then we took our team to my father's house, and we hosted this dinner to honor our scout team's effort to get us ready for our next opponent in the postseason. So we went to the grocery store, we bought a whole bunch of groceries, and the rotation players, the starters and the players that were regularly in the rotation, they made dinner for our scout team members. They took their orders, they served them drinks, we put on fake mustaches, they had the towels around their arm, um, and they made personalized pizzas for each one of those players and then served them their dinner. After dinner, we had our rotation present kind of an entertainment program 
to the scout team coaches and players. And that, that involved a couple of things. Number one, we had bad joke theaters. So they had to go online and find like 15 or 20 just bad jokes and try to tell them in a way that were funny. And then after that, we did something called Mad Lib Theater. So they did a couple skits for, um, for the scout team to try to entertain them. And then we finished off the night by having one of my friends who's a, a musician, a professional musician came in and, and did live music in the living room for our whole team. And again, we did this, we took a bunch of pictures, we promoted it on our social media, and we really wanted to elevate the experience to communicate to our scout team, not just trying to appease parents here, but to really help them to feel like they were valued by creating this experience. And coaches, what we've learned over the years is that there is a tremendous benefit in being intentional about creating events or moments like the scout team dinner, these big moments. But there's also power in recognizing opportunities when little moments are going to emerge in your season and try to take advantage of those when they happen. And that's what we're going to discuss this week on the Coaching Culture Podcast, how to create powerful moments, both big and small, during your season. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive on Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. You're listening to episode 89, Creating Powerful Moments for Your Team, part two. Coaches, I just want to remind you really quickly here that if you go to thriveonchallenge.com, subscribe to the new weekly newsletter, you're going to get a few things. The first thing is you're going to get the coaching notes PDF. That way you don't miss any of the things that we're talking about here. And especially if you're driving in the car or you're out running when you're listening to the podcast, it's all for the, all for you there in that PDF. The second thing you're going to get is every week I have an article, an article that's helping you with some challenge within your coaching, within your culture, and that's going to help you. All right. It's, not, it's got some good stories in there, good research, uh, but they're always something practical in there that you can implement as a coach. And lastly, uh, you're going to get links to this podcast and also our weekly Culture Builders podcast. So be sure to go to thriveonchallenge.com and subscribe today. So Nate, I really, really actually appreciated that story about the scout team dinner because I thought within that experience, that moment that you were creating for them, you did an incredible job of incorporating those four elements that the Heath brothers talk about uh, in their book. And we covered those four elements uh, in last week's episode, but why don't you remind our listeners uh, of what those four elements are? Yeah, JP, the first one they talk about in their book is elevation. And that's the idea that these experiences are, they're out of the norm. There's something different about them. There's there's different sensory experience. The, The script is broken. Oftentimes there's surprise that's involved. And if you think about our experience with the scout team dinner, we're at a new location. Our rotation players are dressed differently. Um, you know, we're doing something totally different than we've done at another team dinner. So we've really elevated that experience for them in that moment. The second piece is pride. And the idea of pride is simply recognizing something that's, again, that's a special accomplishment. Um, if you think about our scout team members, like we're really trying to acknowledge for them that their contributions matter to our team, that this whole night was about them, right? And about their sacrifice and about their dedication to the team. And just taking time to intentionally recognize that in a fun and creative way 
kind of, again, brought more elevation, brought more significance to that moment. And then the third piece here is connection. And certainly during the evening, our rotation players, you know, are feeling connected anytime you're trying to make dinner with somebody, you know, follow a recipe and not burn the pizza. Like there's just a connection there. They're working together to do that. And at the same time, you know, our scout team is, is they're playing games. They're out in the audience during the entertainment program. Like they're they're being connected in a different way where they're kind of set apart um, but elevated at the same time. I think another piece of that is even connection with our coaches where we're going to the, the house where I was brought up and my senior pictures are on the wall and pictures of me when I'm a little kid are on the wall. And that may be a little bit embarrassing, let's be honest, but I had a full head of hair. You know, I've been talking <laughs> to our kids about my experience with hair loss for a number of years, and there's the evidence that I actually had hair at one time. But nevertheless, like that, all of those connections are happening as a result of that, and that makes it special. Now, the fourth element that maybe wasn't as present in this for, for our experience is just moments of insight. Um, and in the book, they talk about there, there's kind of these aha moments where a paradigm changes or where someone discovers an idea for the first time that, that causes change to take place going forward. So finding ways to be able to implement those ingredients into significant moments like we built during the scout team dinner uh, is part of the challenge of creating these powerful moments. Nate, I would even venture to argue that, you know, those reserve players actually did have a moment of insight. I think often maybe one of those players may have gone through the whole entire year going, man, I'm, I don't really matter here. Or, you know, I, I could be here or not be here and it wouldn't make a difference to the team. But maybe in that moment, they realized they had this insight to, I actually do matter. I am cared about. And maybe that was the turning point for some of those girls uh, in the season or just a really powerful moment for them. You know, I think one of the big things about powerful moments, though, I, I, we need to be important is that they're not always just fun, enjoyable moments like that moment. I think that there's some really powerful moments that we can create that require us doing some hard stuff, right? And, and doing some hard stuff together. And I think back to um, uh, experience that I had with one of my teams years ago, and I was not expecting at the end of the year for players to come back to this moment as being a really one of their most memorable, powerful moments because it was a really, we were doing some hard stuff together. We had gone down to Florida to play in a basketball tournament. And so it was an eight hour drive from Tennessee. We get down there, we had rented a house for four days uh, on the near the beach there. And we were playing in a double elimination tournament. Well, things didn't go well for us and we were done after two days. And so I'm sitting here going, I don't just want to hang out with these kids. And in fact, you know, it was two days before the New Year's and like have where they're sitting around for the next five days and not exercising and our fitness drops. And we're just kind of, you know, but I still want us to be here. We have this house. So what are we going to do? And I said, I give them this option. I said, fellas, if you want to stay for the next two days, or first we can, we can just all go home now. But if you want to stay, you want to enjoy, enjoy the beach here, then we're going to go through a really challenging workout this afternoon. That's your kind of ticket to stay. And so they all agreed, okay, we're in, we'll do, we'll do the workout on the beach. And we went on the beach there and I really put them through it. And I, I kind of actually leaned back on some of my experiences uh, of coaching in Lithuania years ago where uh, we were working with some of their athletes there. And I learned all these incredibly challenging passing drills and team drills and all these exercises you they were actually doing on the beach there. And so I put them through something about three hours long that just tested their limits. But there was something powerful about that moment because they were doing it together. There's a lot of things that involved 
this shared vulnerability and this shared suffering. So we tapped to that moments of connection. I think uh, they ex- experienced a moment of pride at the end of it. You know, we, you know, we're all there, we're sweating, we're covered in sand and we're all just laying out absolutely exhausted on the beach, but we, they knew that they went through it and they knew it was something special. Um, there was also, I think, some moments of insight for some people because they did not realize that they had this extra level. Like they could, they could push themselves to that next level. And so there was that moment of insight. And obviously, there's a little bit of a moment of elevation. It was out of the ordinary. It was not this ordinary workout. It wasn't just going through it. And it did something that kind of threw something into the experience of this typically, which was, you know, we're going to go play some basketball games. We're going to hang out. Uh, play games, play on the Xboxes in this house for four days. And here we went and did something completely out of the ordinary and put them through a very unique workout. JP, you mentioned at the beginning of that story that this is an experience that your players, many of them came back to at the end of the year as one of their favorite memories. What, what do you think was the value for them? What is it that stayed with them that lasted from that experience? Yeah, Nate, I mean, the responses from the players at that exit interview kind of actually surprised me because they really understood the value of how that was kind of like a turning point in our season. You know, we had gone through some early on struggles uh, in the year, and I don't think we really had come together as a team. And, and guys pointed back to how close, you know, of a team we had become throughout that season, throughout the struggles, but they often pointed to that as the for them is for many of them is the, the defining moment of when they started to really feel connected to other people. And I think that's just because they went through that hard stuff together. And I think they learned a little bit about something about themselves, but they also learned something about each other um, as they kind of supported e- each other on, on the beach that day um, through some of those exercises, through those moments where, the, where people were wanting to quit and just pack it up and go home. And I think that that helped us to, as we've talked about on the, on the podcast before that, that shared vulnerability really helped them to connect. And JP, I want to share just kind of one more example of, uh, of a moment or an experience that we intentionally created for our players, kind of to break up the monotony of our, our season. And a lot of these moments for us, they revolve around food, okay? Like our players <laughs> like to eat, I like to eat. And so team dinners oftentimes are opportunities because it's time set aside apart from practices and games and preparation where you might be able to, to – add something to it to make it different and more fun. So another tradition that's been pretty popular over the last few years for us is something we call the character dinner. And so at this dinner, we go to somebody's house, and this is just maybe you know 10 or 15 of our varsity players and coaches. But what we do is we identify roles, almost like a role play evening, for the meal. Okay, So everybody pulls out kind of this paragraph description of the character that they're to play during the dinner, okay? And those characteristics are just based on kind of adjectives, right? So somebody might be the thief, okay? And so the paragraph says, you know, during the evening, their goal is to try to steal as many things as they as they can, okay? You might have somebody who is the gossip, and they just go around, and they're constantly telling, you know, stories about people that might be true, they might not be true. We have people that are the color snobs, right? So at our school, we're red and black. And so this particular character really loves people that are wearing red and black and really hates people that have other colors on for their clothes. We have people that are the servants. We have people that are the peacemakers. We have people that are envious of others. We have the braggarts, right? And so we go on and we just have, again, 15 to 20 different roles, one that's unique for every person. 
So three of those roles are identified as the host for the evening. And so after everybody understands what they're going to do, all of the attenders go outside. So 12 of us go outside. The three hosts stay inside. We ring the doorbell. And once the doorbell rings, everybody is in character until we are done with dessert. So you walk in and, you, you know, they're just hamming it up, you know, like, I mean, it's like live dinner theater, right? And so it's, it's hilarious, right? Everybody going through this during the evening. Then at the end, after we get through dessert, I give everybody a list of the adjectives and they try to match the name of the person that played that role uh, in the evening. Okay. And what comes out of that, and obviously there's, there's all kinds of elevation and there's connection and there's all kinds of fun that comes from that. But inevitably, every year we get so many inside jokes and sometimes there are things that are said at the character dinner that actually become themes for our season. My first year at Linmar, our wristbands at the end of the year said strong, powerful women. That became a hashtag of ours because the motivational speaker at the dinner stood on the table and gave a speech <laughs> about being strong, powerful women, right? And so all kinds of great things can happen out of experiences like that. Yeah, and I think what's uh, really great about some of the stuff that you you do, and it's you make a lot of fun, and you bring a lot of humor into that, and that's something that they actually talk about the research in, in the power moments is how humor is such a powerful way to connect people when people are laughing, and they talk about that that, that laughter is really really important um, to to connecting people, and I think that sets you up to be able to go through some hard stuff, whether it be intentional like a beach workout. Or just some hard stuff that is obviously unintentionally planned in your season, like losing a lot of games. You've now built that connection that they're able to go through some of those struggles and conflicts together. Love that example. Now, one of the things, coaches, as you're listening to us kind of share some of these intentional ways that we've tried to build moments into our year, I'm like you. And I think, man, I don't know how many times I could do this during the season. It sounds like a lot of work. There is a lot of planning involved in in pulling off some of these kind of activities. But I think one of the, the key insights for me in reading through the power of moments is that sometimes memorable moments and meaningful moments for your players can sneak up on you a little bit. Like there are, are powerful moments that my players talked about in their exit interviews this year that were not planned, that were not orchestrated, that were not manipulated by coaches in any way. They just kind of happened organically and when we started to recognize what was happening, that, that there was connection here that was happening that was different than a normal moment, or that there was a, a moment of accomplishment or recognition that we could leverage, we were mindful of trying to, to capture them as they happened. And that's kind of what we want to talk a little bit about in the second half of this episode, is how do you recognize when these smaller moments can have powerful impacts on your players throughout the year? Yeah, and there's just some really simple things that we can do to kind of shape the environment for those moments to take take place. And I, I just think back to probably the simplest little rule that we can implement on bus trips to kind of reclaim these amazing bus trips to games or home from games is just getting rid of the phones. I think technology presents a lot of challenges to have moments of connection and, and, and young people's lives and everyone's lives today. And I've seen this with a lot of coaches that they've gotten players to uh, put the phones in a bag. And by just doing that, like kids are forced to start to connect and interact. And then they end up creating some of the like really, really uh, special experiences in the bus trip. I, I look back on my high school uh, basketball career and I, I can't point to necessarily 
one bus trip that was amazing. Like that my coach like had something planned, but we didn't have phones. And we just, I look back and I'm like, I used to love the bus trips. Like that was a really fun time for us. And we didn't have the whole technology problem there. And so I think we just removed some things, just little tweaks like that in our environment can start to make it so that the ground is more fertile, fertile for these type of experiences. JP, what I love about that story is as a coach, really the only thing that you did there was you created an opportunity for connection. You didn't have to script it. You didn't have to write out cards, you know, or questions. It just created an environment where players could connect. And, you know, I think back to this past season for us, we had a crazy winter this year where we missed like 12 days of school right in the middle of our season. And so on some of those days, the administration would let us come in and practice and you know, we'd only come in for maybe an hour instead of our normal time. So there wouldn't be film. There wouldn't be weights. We just get in, get what we had to get done and get out of there. Right. Well, on one of those days, one of my, our team captains organized a sledding outing right after practice. And so here it was, you know, Wednesday afternoon. Normally they're in school, but we're out. Normally we practice for an hour and a half, but it's only an hour. And the captains gave all the younger kids rides and everybody met at the hill at Bowman Woods Elementary. And for an hour and a half. 27 of our 32 kids went sledding up and down the hills. And I'm telling you, that is the thing that they came back to as their favorite memory of the season more than anything else was sledding together on a snow day. I think it's one of the things that happened kind of organically where our captains put it together, but there was space for it because we just had shorter practices and, and it was out of the ordinary because it was a school day and here they were sledding instead of being in class. Nate, what I think is so powerful about that story is just as something as simple as ending practice early allowed for something like that to happen. I don't know if that would have happened if you had run them to death over a three to four hour practice or something like that. And so I think that's really important. I think back to our trips away as a team and I really, you know, it started to become much more intentional about finding ways to create collisions to happen like Daniel Coyle talks about in the culture code. And one way that we I did that was I started to realize from some previous experiences, things that annoyed me about how we would gather as a team. And one of those was if we had a rented out a big house and we were playing down this tournament down in Florida, for instance, guys tended to everybody bring their own Xbox, they'd go to their room and they'd kind of keep themselves or they'd form these little cliques and groups. And so I did something as simple as taking out away the power cords to all the TVs in the room and then saying, explain to the team that if they wanted to watch TV or they guys, they wanted to play Xbox, that here was this massive, massive TV in the living room that they could all get gather together to watch something together or play something together. And initially, I think what's really important is that I got some flack from that. Some guys were irrit irritated with me for doing that. But I really took the time to explain how it was going to be good for them when it came to getting to sleep at night, but also that the purpose of this trip, like what was the purpose of this trip? It wasn't just so they could go hang out and be by themselves, uh, but it was to grow closer as a team. And they, they were all in line with that purpose. They wanted to grow closer as a team. And so they quickly started to realize the importance of us gathering together in that living room. And we had some amazing uh, NBA 2K matches and stuff like that. And there was like, like, just like your experiences there, there's a lot of inside jokes that came from moments there that would not have been created had we had everyone run off to their rooms in, in groups of two or three. And so just that little small tweak, and then I could just step back and I just pretty much just watched the collisions happen at that time. And, and, and it was really, really special. 
that's another great example of just being intentional about creating your environments, you know, and I think one of the things that I'd want to encourage coaches here is that, again, sometimes these things happen organically where they just start to emerge and just being aware of some of the ingredients that go into moments might help you to be able to, to capture them when you see them start to happen. I can think back to, you know, a conversation before a film session where our team was struggling kind of with our confidence and, and our developments. And somebody had made a comment about, well, at least we aren't giving up as many rebounds as we were. And that kind of led me into this sort of spontaneous speech about, well, actually, there's a lot of things that are better than what they were three weeks ago or a season ago or whatever. We talked about our field goal percentage being better and our defense being better. And there was marginal gains. It wasn't like we were, you know, scoring 50 points a game more, but there were a lot of numbers that were trending in the right direction that our kids didn't really even have any awareness of. And so when we brought that out in the open um, and we talked about it, like it was kind of a moment of pride where we were recognizing some of their growth and their improvement that they weren't even aware of. And it just, it was a boost for them. And it just sort of happened in the moment. Um, I can think of other moments of insight, you know, at our uh, my first year at Linmar, our, our appreciation line at the end of the year, one of my seniors, and we, we were three and 19 this year, but talking about her experience, she said, I wouldn't change a single thing about this season to win one more game. Now that was, that was awesome for her to be able to share that and kind of have that insight about the value of her experience throughout the year. But when we started sharing that with others, you know, people ask, Oh geez, you're three and 19. How'd it go? You know, this is a quote that I would continue to come back to because Again, it was this amazing insight about this experience that we had together. And that was hard for other people to understand. But when your your senior is a Division One athlete, super competitor says, you know, I, I wouldn't do anything different to win another game. It said a lot about what we created for each other. So finding ways to capture and leverage those moments as they happen um, can be just as important as intentionally building some of the bigger moments that we talked about earlier in the episode. Yeah, that's a that's a great point there. I love that quote that you had from that player. I had a very you know the the season I was talking about with the the beach workout um, and the building the connections there. Nate, we had a, I had a very similar experience that season as well. I remember it was it was shortly after that we were in a, a, a tough stretch of games and and I was just checking in with one of our players and I asked him you know hey how are you doing you know I I know people talk and. And we can get down a little frustrated. Things aren't going our way. And he said, you know, coach, honestly, I've been on teams that have won a lot more, a lot more than this. And I haven't been felt nearly as connected. Uh, I didn't feel nearly as part of this team as I do right now. He says, we've got each other's backs. Nobody's blaming each other. And, and we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to see this through this year. I don't know if we had had that experience or he would have said that had we not had a few of those powerful moments throughout the, throughout the early parts of our season. So um, that's, that's really what it's, what it's about. Now, Nate, as we're wrapping up this, this episode of the podcast, I think it's really important that we come back to something we mentioned at the beginning, which kind of Dan Heath talked about in that short clip that we shared, which is the potholes, right? I mean, we're trying to create uh, some positive experiences, some elevated peak moments. And sometimes we're even trying to take, turn those potholes maybe into mountains. Now the negative experiences can stick out almost as much as those really positive experiences. So we've got to be intentional in making sure we fill in those potholes. Ultimately, it comes down to this. Your brain is going to latch on to your most intense experiences. It's not going to filter them through whether they're positive or negative. It's going to just remember those that were most intense. 
So you might be creating great team dinners and scout team dinners and you know special events on your road trips, but if your players are significantly disgruntled or you know your parents are upset because of a lack of communication or, or whatever it might be, like if those negative experiences are more intense than the moments that you're creating positively, they're going to trump those moments. Their overall experience is going to be remembered as negative. And so the Heath brothers talk about the importance of recognizing where those potholes are in the road. Where are those gaps in your program? It doesn't mean that they all have to be elevated into greater moments. It just means that you can't be undermined by allowing negative experiences to take away from all the positive things that you're trying to do. And a great example from the book, the Heath brothers talk about you know, a, an experience at Disney World. You think about how much time you actually spend in line versus how much time you actually spend on a, a ride. The rides are the peak experience. They're the positive experience, right? But if you're in line for four hours, five hours in the hot sun, and you're dehydrated and you're sunburned, your kids are crying, and like there's a lot of negative that can happen in line waiting for those peak moments to happen on the roller coaster. And so what they've done at Disneyland is they've just tried to provide distractions. They've tried to make the lines a little bit more comfortable. Again, so you're not sitting in an easy boy when you're waiting your turn, but at the same time, it's not a thing that's going to prevent you from enjoying the experience that you're there to have. So here at Thrive on Challenge, we are all about serving coaches. And one of the things that we are doing is we've organized a retreat uh, for a small group of coaches in Park City, Utah, uh, July 22nd to 25th. And you know, as, as we've been building up for this, I've had a lot of coaches reach out and say, you know, we really wanted to be a part of that experience, just the dates don't work. So for you coaches out there that were interested in that experience, um, that maybe can't make it work this year, or you're just a regular listener to the podcast, you really are appreciating and finding some value in our message. Nate and I can come to you, whether that be a retreat or a workshop, we can do that for your team, for your staff, for your athletic department, to your club or your organization. We are here to help leaders, to help coaches, to better serve their people, to help them grow and to build a stronger culture. So the best way to do that is to either click in the link at the top of the episode details or to email me at jpnurbin, N-E-R-B-U-N at thriveonchallenge.com. We'd love to partner with your team or your organization to support you in the upcoming year.